This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths. Enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. The human body is an incredibly intelligent vessel that reflects whatever is going on emotionally and mentally. Every day, there is more research and evidence on the implausible connection between the emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical health, and how one cannot work well without the others. We cannot afford to dismiss any of these aspects within ourselves. Once you start your journey towards healing, forgiveness, and a reconnection with self, your body will respond accordingly. In the words of Dr. Gabor Mate, you cannot disconnect the mind from the body. As within, so without, writes Sarah. Valeria interviews Sarah Dakili, the author of Coming to Life, A Journey from Fear to Love and Growth. Sarah is also an art therapist, psychotherapist, artist, and accredited mental health social worker based in Brisbane, Australia. She is the founder of Mental Awakening, a clinic where she works at grassroots level with people who struggle with chronic illness, chronic pain, trauma, and other various mental health issues. These are matters that Sarah had significant personal experience in and which she has shared about in her book, Coming to Life. Sarah has been working within the field of trauma recovery and mind-body disorders for over a decade, specializing in chronic pain and tension myositis syndrome, TMS, basing her approach on Dr. John Sarno and Dr. Howard Schubiner's research on mind-body disorders, MBD. Her clients are based all over Australia as she offers face-to-face and telehealth counseling sessions over phone or video. Her motto is simple, supporting clients and creating authentic power within themselves and in turn being able to make what was once difficult easier. Sarah's interest lies in helping her clients feel heard, understood, and supported so they can start to connect with their true nature and learn to live their lives from a space of love as opposed to fear. She is a great believer that life is a mirror and that our outer world reflects our inner world. And once we start to understand that, we have so much more power than we can imagine. Sarah is passionate about helping clients achieve meaningful connections, assisting them to reconnect and work towards developing a closer, stronger, and more secure relationship with themselves and their body. It is her aim to support clients with experiencing a new reference point for happiness and to overcome struggles, feel fulfilled, and develop enhanced self-compassion irrespective of adversity. For Sarah, life is about growth and expansion. Her focus lies in remaining present with her clients while creating a fully open and authentic space where healing can take place. She is a big believer that creativity helps us crack open the original and powerful energy of our soul and move into a space where we can be authentically ourselves without fear or comparison. Most of all, she believes that creativity has the power to heal, transform, 
awaken, and empower. Her art therapy workshops dive deep into the practice and introduce people to how powerful and healing art can be. Her art is often inspired by and represents the various paths, chapters, experiences, and patterns of behavior that human beings go through in their lifetime as they seek to be united with their true nature, the authentic self. Meet Sarah at mentalawakening.com.au. Here's the interview with Sarah Dakili. In your own words, who is Sarah Dakili? Huh. <laughs> um, I would say that I'm a conscious creator. And I would also say that I truly believe that I'm a soul having a human experience. Um, and that's something that really resonates with me. But um, yeah, definitely a conscious creator and... Um, sometimes I've even called myself a spiritual war warrior. <laughs> I love that. And I was about to ask the question about spirituality. What is your idea of spirituality? What is to be spiritual in that deeper sense, per se? From what I've come to experience in my own life, to be spiritual is to be connected to yourself and to be connected to life. So for me, it's not anything that has to do with religion and um, it has a lot more to do with your connection with yourself and with life so what I mean by that is the more authentic you are the better you can connect with yourself and with life the more you can be present the more you can you know appreciate um, the opportunities and the gifts of whatever the present moment is bringing towards you now, that could be something incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> or it could be something incredibly pleasant. But it's that relationship that you have with life that is what spirituality really means for me. And um, getting a bit deeper into it, how do you define authenticity? What does it look like? How would you describe the experience of being authentic? It's interesting because I feel like I'm always discovering what authenticity means. Um, it really is something that unfolds as you continue to dive deeper within yourself. I don't think it's just a matter of being confident or having self-esteem. I think it goes deeper than that. I think it's really about, you know, just, um, I guess, knowing that there's a part of you that goes beyond the trauma narrative or the narratives and belief systems that you grew up with or that we get exposed to on a daily basis, um, culturally and just socially, environmentally. So for me, authenticity is something that continues to evolve as you get to know yourself on a deeper level. And it's a form of, um, I guess, beingness, you know, um, it's that um, the way that sometimes I see animals um, behave, you know, that comfort with themselves, comfort with the moment, comfort with life. It's almost like um, the more authentic you are, the less you resist life and yourself as you continue to, you know, reveal, um, I guess, yourself or life continues to reveal itself. So for me, it's an ongoing discovery. 
if I have to put my own words, it's being open, isn't it? Being open to life. I love the way you talk about the animals, right? And nature itself. Yeah, because animals, you know, they, they're not necessarily as conscious as we are, but they are so much better at being. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> yes. they, they master beingness <laughs> so much more than we do as humans. Um, and, and I think that we have so much to learn from them. And this is something that I always appreciate about animals. I absolutely love animals. And I find that just observing them and spending time with them can help you to connect to that part of yourself. If there is that openness, if there is that willingness, and even if there is that, you know, desire, because obviously plenty of people have pets and they have animals and they don't necessarily experience this because there isn't a level of awareness or there's not necessarily a level of willingness. So, yeah. And I wonder why this is the case, Nicole. Some of us become open and to heal, open to spirituality, to find out more, and we ask Mm. deeper questions. And some of us don't. They actually lose the body without any of these attributes, per se, of these practices. Do you wonder why sometimes? Such a good question, because I've even, I've thought about that myself. And um, I don't know if I have, um, you know, the answer, the exact answer to that. But I know that in my own observation um, and what I've chosen to believe, because I think it really does come down to a choice in how you want to perceive life. Um, it makes sense to me that some some people have, I guess, um, souls or um, spirits or even just an energy that is just a bit more evolved in terms of its awareness, in terms of its consciousness. And some haven't necessarily experienced that or haven't had as much exposure to that awareness and to that consciousness. And I think, um, I, I don't think that, you know, you go through life and you never get that opportunity. I think you do get plenty of opportunities. It's just that some, you know, some of us actually choose to go there, you know, to the, the, the curiosity takes us there or pain takes us there because I really believe that pain is a beautiful gateway into, you know, a awakening and consciousness and further awareness. Um, but then there are those who, I guess, choose not to go there or they just, um, you know, they, they have those opportunities that arise, but there is a part of them that resists the opportunity. Um, and I've seen that plenty of times, even with my work with clients, that, you know, the majority of people that I work with are very much willing to do this work. And that's why they found me and that's why they show up. But there are always those as well who kind of start doing the work, but then something happens. Either they get fearful or there is some kind of, um, you know, trigger or reaction based on a need to be in control or, you know, feeling that their sense of, um, you know, self or the belief that they've had about life and themselves is somehow being threatened. And so they just don't want to go. Ah. <laughs> they want. They don't want to dive <laughs> dive deeper. So, um, yeah, I, I think it really just depends on the individual. But I don't think our 
you know, we are here to make those judgments or necessarily, um, you know, I guess differentiate between who's better and who's not, who's more conscious, who's not. Um, I think the focus has always to be on the self. And as you continue to grow and evolve, you have to look at what it is that you are bringing to every encounter, to every experience, as opposed to what other people are bringing or what they're doing or Mm -hmm. what they're not giving. That's a powerful message for all of us. (laughs) And it's a very tricky thing to do, isn't it? It's not easy. (laughs) No, it's not, right? That's beautifully said, Sarah. I love that. But you know, it does, it, yeah, it does, it does get easier though. It gets easier as the compassion within you grows. It's not, and, and the compassion only grows when our understanding grows. So when you understand the wounded parts of yourself, it's so much easier to understand and have empathy and compassion for the wounded parts of other people. It doesn't mean that you still don't implement boundaries or you let people walk over you. It, it has nothing to do with that. It's not, it's a, it's almost like, a, you know, seeing beyond their personality, seeing beyond that egoic, you know, survival mode. So, which means the more we see ourselves as divine light, the more we see that in others as well. It's easy yes. to see, isn't it? But it's a process as well. I noticed that for me, it really is not something you can force. It is definitely a process and it comes, you know, in little moments of just, um, I guess, awakening or awareness where all of a sudden the penny drops and you realize, oh my gosh, um, you know, what that person does has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with what's going on within them. So me taking it personally is me accepting that reality and making it mine. Wow, I love all that. (laughs) We cannot say that we are there already and we see everything as divine because it's not true. That wouldn't be true. Like the war that's happening now between Russia and Ukraine. Yes. Ah, that is a, a tough one, right? To, very, very tough. Very tough. To see yeah. that as a almost divine work or life, doing what it does, being itself. You know, um, it's very hard. And um, I, I can really appreciate, I mean, I grew up in a war. Um, I was a refugee child. I grew up in a war. And I talk about that in my book. And I, you know, I highlight the... I guess the darkness that that kind of environment and the influence of that kind of situation can have on a person. But I also acknowledge that if I hadn't been through that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I'm not necessarily suggesting that it's okay for us, you know, to fight each other or that, you know, making any Um, I guess, excuses for wars by any means. But I am wanting to highlight that um, even though those incredibly horrific situations can happen to, to a person, to a human being, the light is always there and you can get to the light. You know, it's just there is a journey that needs to take place. And 
um, you know, that's kind of how it's been for me. If I hadn't been through the things that I went through from very young child to an adult, I wouldn't have reached that level of awareness and that level of, I guess, internal um, peace in many ways that I have today. And I'm not suggesting that I'm always in peace, but I do feel that I can get there much quicker mm. than I would have many years ago. <laughs> the door is open, right, Sarah? Yes. Mm, it's always and there open. is a door. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. right. <laughs> there is a door and it's open. You can always go back to the place. It's important to remember that there is always light here. Yes, but there is a time to be in darkness and there is a time to be in light as well. You know, when you're in darkness, it's so hard to even think about light or think about anything. All you're thinking about is survival. You know, your entire physiology and system is consumed by stress and survival. So it makes sense for people to be in a state of terror and anxiety and all kinds of, you know, horrific situations. Um, but there, there is also a time for light. And I guess this is just my way of bringing hope to the situation. So you wrote the book, Coming to Life, A Journey from Fear to Love and Growth. So talk to me for a moment about the main inspiration and intention of writing your book. Well, um, it's only my first book. And I, and I have to say, I wrote it because I love to write and I'd like to continue writing. And the reason I wrote the book was because there was something within me that um, for years and years kept pushing me towards writing a book. It was an intuitive feeling that writing about my journey and sharing my wisdom with other people was what I was meant to do. Um, didn't matter whether it was one person reading the book or, you know, hundreds. I never thought that I would ever even get around to writing the book. But the signs kept reappearing and they were simply too powerful for me to dismiss them. So somehow writing about my journey gave me the feeling that perhaps whatever was inspired from within me would in turn help others, if not even just the closest people in my life. Um, and that's how it's been for me. You know, I believe there's a story within all of us and this story has to be told because it can bring a lot of wisdom, hope, inspiration, healing, insight into the world around us. And, and it can also do that for us as we're in that process of writing You're not your story, and yet your story is a symbol of your strength. And I truly believe that. Um, doesn't matter if it's a story about success or failure, whatever it could be. Every story provides us with an opportunity for growth, for insight, for learning. And that's my intention, you know, for the readers of my book and for just, you know, writing the book, that um, it doesn't matter. You, you are still, no matter who you are and what you've been through, you have the power to make a difference through what you've been through and how you turn that around, you know, turn your pain into your message, I guess, in some ways. I love your wisdom. Another beautiful insight just now. I love the way you say that. Let me see if I can remember. We are not our stories, but our stories symbolize the strength within 
Yeah, you're not your story, and yet your story is a symbol of your strength. That's a beautiful quote in itself. <laughs> wow, I love that. And you're also, besides an author and a speaker, you are a art therapist, psychotherapist, artist, accredited mental health social worker. So talk to me for a moment about art therapy. That sounds very mm -hmm. interesting. You know what? I really believe, um, Valeria, that this is uh, something that we need to tap further into. Unfortunately, um, here in Australia, we're actually still quite behind in, you know, utilizing um, art therapy, uh, you know, for healing, just for, for supporting people with mental health issues or chronic pain issues or any kind of, you know, um, challenge. Because I really believe that art helps us connect with the child that we once were, you know, and the child that we still have within us. And it's also such a beautiful gateway, um, you know, to being present, to being in the moment, to just allowing yourself to go with whatever's showing up. And when you do have a therapist that's there with you supporting you, there it just becomes a bit less frightening, It becomes less scary. I notice that when I work with adults often and I've run art therapy workshops, there is this fear of even just, you know, they look at this blank canvas and there is a fear of even choosing a color or drawing anything, even a line. It's almost like there's a fear of failing. There's a fear of making a mistake. There's a fear of, you know, doing the wrong thing. And I say to them, this canvas is you know, a reflection of you and your life. You can't, you can't go wrong. You can't do anything wrong because even if you draw something, you can draw over it. You can paint over it with a different color. You can, you know, start in a corner and then go, well, I'm not sure I like that corner and go to a different corner and then come back to that corner and draw over it. So you're always sculpting. You're always, you know, creating And there is no wrong way of creating. Mm, ah, that's another and so, powerful message. Yeah. yeah, it's a very powerful experience as well, because by the end of the workshop, they just kind of feel liberated. Oh, my gosh, I can I don't have to be as afraid as I've been. And that, you know, the colors and the art is just a symbol for what's going on for them internally. It sounds very liberating. I love the way you use that word too, because then what it means is to me, it's freeing that part of us that needs expression. That's what it is, yes. right? Because we have yes. so much within that we believe that we are not seen for it, but then art has that power. It really does. It really does. It's actually helped me a great deal. I never thought that I had an artist within me. You know, I only started painting... Um, Well, when was it? I think it was just when I turned 40 <laughs> and it was very, you know, at a later stage in my life. And I never thought that I could paint and I could create these beautiful, big paintings that I do. Um, it was just something that I had to discover. Right. And I really believe that this is like we were talking about what is the authentic self. It's a constant discovery of who you are. And, you know, and if you don't allow yourself to try these different um, modalities of 
healing or just even, you know, to do it for fun. You're never going to know what's inside of you and what can come through you. So it's also a fun way of doing that, of being authentic, so isn't it, So much fun, <laughs> so much fun, yes, so much fun. The workshops I've been running so far have been so much fun. People don't even want to go home afterwards, you know? Mm, I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Do what at home? Well, continue the work, right? Because that's the idea too. We learn how to be in a different way to express, and then we bring that with us. I love that idea. That can become a lifestyle, you know, just a moment in time. Exactly. I just wish more people were open to it because I do still see a lot of resistance around that, even, you know, especially with um, men in general, because women tend to be a bit more open to doing artistic things, whereas men sometimes tend to have a bit more resistance around that, um, you know, to play with color and to just allow themselves to be playful and let go. So, It's, you know, I'm still working on utilizing it more and more within my work. Um, the majority of my work is, you know, having um, these psychotherapeutic one-on-one -on -one sessions with clients, but it's definitely something, um, art therapy is definitely something that I'm always promoting. Yeah, that sounds like fun work for everyone, for you and everyone else participating. Do you host art therapy workshops online as well, Sarah? That's actually something that I'm working on. So um, I'm hoping to do that by, you know, early next year. So it would be, you know, probably in the next six to seven months, um, I'm going to be actually, you know, creating a program to um, to explore that online because I find that it's so, it's so wonderful. And for people to actually have a little space in their home, a corner that they can just go to, And they can just be completely themselves and let go freely and deal with whatever's coming up, you know, all, all the thoughts around imperfection and around um, control and around fear. Um, it's just amazing. So definitely something that I'm working on. And uh, there will be a combination of bringing psychotherapic, you know, therapeutic modalities into um, the art therapy exercises because, I find that working with a lot of people who have chronic pain um, is just such a wonderful way of helping people to manage and also eventually recover from the pain because I do believe you can recover from chronic pain and not just learn to manage it. So, yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Let me know when this is happening so perhaps we can meet again here or I can add that to your podcast Absolutely. profile. Absolutely. Thank and you. I would do. So yeah. that would be wonderful to make that more accessible. So it makes sense when you talk about chronic pain that can be managed by art therapy because healing has to do with relaxation. So that makes so much sense. The more we relax the mind and the body, the more healing are we inviting to this space. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You're also the founder of Mental Awakening. So I'd love to hear a bit more about the purpose of this work, Sarah. So Mental Awakening um, is really just uh, a place that people come to to heal from um, chronic pain in particular, but also to become aware of you know, whatever's been going on for them. Because I really, from the work I've been doing around chronic pain, I can see that there is just um, 
this correlation between childhood trauma and chronic pain because a lot of times, uh, you know, I see very similar patterns of behavior, belief systems, um, especially around perfectionism and a need to be in control, you know, just uh, this constant drive to be more, to have more, to work harder, the people-pleasing tendencies, you know, the fear of saying no um, or the inability to say no. So, you know, the work that I do uh, at Mental Awakening is very much focused on helping people to awaken <laughs> and and to heal um, and to really just also become better educated about what's going on for them. You know, so I see people with all kinds of symptoms from fibromyalgia to chronic back pain to neck pain, you know, um, everything from uh, vertigo, tinnitus, um, you know, muscular pain, um, anxiety, um, you know, all kinds of pain that is mind-body related, you know, that is neurological and sometimes really difficult for for medical professionals to even understand or explain. Um, usually by the time people come to see me, they've had several numerous tests done and at times even uh, undergone, you know, several surgeries and still nothing's improved. So it could be anything from, you know, fatigue syndrome, migraines, um, just, uh, you know, grinding teeth, what do you call it, TMJ, um, chronic abdominal and pelvic pain syndrome or digestive issues, you know. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of that. And so, um, you know, in this space, we, we get to work on the perfectionism. We get to work on the need to prove themselves or the self-critical tendencies or the high expectations or the constant need to be good and, you know, to the point of sacrificing their needs you know, for others, which often leads to unconscious anger towards the self. Um, you know, hostility and aggression or irritability that comes out maybe when no one's watching behind the wheel or that tends to get suppressed. Um, there's a lot of guilt or self-criticism, worrying about what could go wrong and need to excel. I mean, I could go on, the list is very long. <laughs> But these are the things we work on, yeah. And it seems like some of um, these uh, symptoms, they are also, like you said, unconscious, like grinding the teeth. Yeah, yes. I see that. My teeth, they have moved. So I'm seeing the dentist. It seems like uh, something's happening during the night that I'm not aware of. So that yes. is interesting. The body speaks, right? It keeps score. The body always speaks. And that's what, what I talk about, you know, with my clients. Um, and always, you know, it usually comes down to a difficulty to implement healthy boundaries. But also, because the boundaries are something we work on quite a bit, but also carrying this strong sense of responsibility for everything, which means that, there is this underlying need to be in control. And one of the reasons we struggle so much with control is because, you know, we have often as children felt some level of helplessness, you know, especially if you've been through 
trauma, which most people have. If, if it's not trauma with a capital T, it's relational trauma, you know. And so relational trauma is just not having parents that are emotionally present or available to you. Or it could be that parents that were stressed and distressed and distracted and never really, you know, were never present enough with you, you know. Um, just that is enough to create the lack of sense of self in the child. It's enough to interfere with the development of a sense of self. And with the normal brain development itself, I mean, even now research has shown that people who grow up in chaotic environments or even, you know, in environments where they didn't feel emotionally safe, um, have a difficult time dealing with stress or regulating stressful feelings and emotions. And a lot of that comes down to that stress regulation circuitry, which hasn't fully developed in the brain, right? So they try to regulate it externally. They try to do it by controlling others or, you know, through stimulants or through social media or through whatever the case may be, right? And um, and these are all, you know, I guess, artifacts of childhood circumstances, um, I wonder if that ever goes away, Sarah. Oh, very good question. I'll be honest. Um, I know in my own life, because I had a very traumatizing background, um, there are still things I'm working on. I mean, I don't know anyone who can ever say, yep, I'm, I'm all good, I'm sorted. And I don't believe that it's about reaching uh, a state of perfection or being fixed. I think, you know, I, I think it's um, it's a constant process, unfolding, evolving. Um, and yeah, you might get to a place of making peace with all of that. I know in my book, I, I wrote that it's not, it's not about reaching physical you know, states of perfection. It could be that doing all this work will help you to reach healing on an emotional and psychological level, on a spiritual level. But maybe your body will continue to struggle with certain things for the rest of your life. And that's when we have to work on not being so attached to the body because that's another thing that we tend to do. We get overly attached to the body. I mean, Every single client that's walked through my door has always said, you know, my body should be healthy. And that's a, you know, that's a very high expectation to have on your body. So my body should always be healthy for the rest of my life. I mean, is that true? Can that actually be the case? Can we guarantee that? We can't, right? So certain things I believe the work is um, around making peace with it, you know, learning how to be with it as it shows up. And that's actually a big part of my work, you know, with somatic exercises and, and somatic body tracking and things like that, just body scans and learning how to be with discomfort as opposed to run away from it, fix it, reject it, control it, because that just makes the pain bigger. It makes it worse. It makes you know, everything more challenging because your state of resistance increases. And what comes to me is that it seems like the body 
is the first one to let us know when something's not right. And then it's also mm. the last one to let go of that. Absolutely. Of that and sometimes it doesn't, right, Sarah, like you said. Yeah, but I also want to, you know, let everyone know that the body is incredibly wise. It's so wise and it has incredible healing, you know, abilities. All it needs is the right conditions, the right environment. So what I mean by that is if you're constantly in a stressful state, then your body is definitely going to struggle. I mean, you know, um, a, a history of trauma makes an individual more prone to developing health-related issues. And a lot of this is because of the process that's called central sensitization. So when central sensitization occurs, the nervous system goes through a process that we call, um, it's like a wind up and, and gets regulated in a persistent state of high reactivity. So it's like a faulty alarm system. <clears throat> the system is sending out messages in reaction to perceived threats. So that's when the nervous system is overly active. And, and this is what we need to work on to, you know, help our nervous system to feel more safe, to feel, you know, to get regulated in a way that is um, promoting health and well-being, that is creating the right conditions for the body to reach that state of health, which is very difficult if you look at how our society is structured, because it's like it enables the fight-flight state. It doesn't help, right? Especially the ideas, oh, the concepts of always working to be accepted or to be loved, being validated by the things we do. I've seen that society, you know, family members, um, and it's all about doing in order to get that reward of being accepted. Yes. And that's something that you quoted Dr. Garbor Mate, I believe his name is. Oh, yes. <laughs> we live in a society that validates and rewards our false self, not our mm -hmm. true self. Yes. I absolutely love Dr. Gabor Mate's work. He has taught me a great deal about the work that I do. And I truly believe in his message, you know, and his observation of what he has witnessed from working with people who have been severely traumatized. Um, our society does promote the false self. It's almost like we keep perpetuating that idea, that concept of the false self as true, as being the true self. And maybe that's why we uh, keep seeing what we see, right? The violence and this uh, discrimination, the judgment. Exactly. Yeah. And it heightens that stress response and worsens um, our health, you know, sleep disturbances, emotional numbing, hyperarousal, depression, anxiety, adrenal exhaustion, you know, inability to regulate our emotions. And the biggest of all, the inability to trust life, the flow of life. It's like we don't believe that we are connected to everything. We don't believe that we are connected to nature. So we don't trust the flow mm, oh my God. like animals do often, right? And we fear, you know, the concept of not existing, the concept of death. We fear very much. Yeah, some of us do. So true because we don't know, right, who we are in essence. Yeah, we get, you know, attached to the things we have and... 
And so when you constantly live in that state of dis-ease, you eventually end up, you know, creating disease in the body, even if it's on an unconscious level. And yes, you know, some things can be karmic. I don't have all the answers. I have no idea. Some some things there are, you know, I have no explanations for. Um, but I do know that when we are living in this constant state of survival and we don't trust, we're not trusting of the flow of life, we're not trusting of the present moment, then yes, the body will get stuck in a state of dis-ease, which in turn you know, develops disease or leads to disease. Yeah. Uh, I love the work you do, Sarah. It just Thank brings you. light to those hidden truths that they are not hidden, really. It's interesting to see that the truth is not hidden, but most of us cannot see them. But thank you so much for doing what you do, because it's a beautiful, not just knowledge, but also reminders. Every time I talk to somebody here on the podcast, it's amazing how I see something, some parts of me being reminded of all these things that it already knows, but it needs to be tapped again, <laughs> poked again. Yes, yes. I, I feel very grateful for the work that I do as well because, you know, it's, um, I, I feel so humbled, uh, you know, by what, what I get to learn, what I get to witness. So it's definitely, um, yeah, it's, it's been a blessing in my own life as well. Beautiful to see how helping others ends up helping ourselves. <laughs> I love the idea that we can help ourselves and others at the same time. So it's the giving and receiving, right? Dance dynamic. Yes. But only if we don't get caught up in saving, rescuing, or, you know, judgments around someone's journey, because that's not the point of this work. It's to get stable or established in our true self so we can shed that light from that space. Yes, it's really about self-empowerment and seeing that power in the others. Often in our system, you know, the organizations that are there to support people, um, there's, a, you know, quite a lot of emphasis and focus on that victim consciousness, that victim mentality, which doesn't actually serve the individual. It keeps them in that disempowered state. So, my focus is always on the, you know, part of the person that is empowered. I focus always on the, um, I guess, that consciousness within them as opposed to that wisdom within them. Um, and it's just about helping them to recognize that. When you say consciousness within them is the place that it's unchanged, Right, Sarah. Some um, unlimited. Yes, that essence. That essence. Yeah, absolutely. The essence that you see babies are born with. That confidence. You know, they just go in front of the mirror, poke themselves in the belly, kiss mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. They draw anything and come up to you and say, "Look what I've drawn." <laughs> yeah. They're very loud and expressive about who they are, unapologetic, until they get impacted by their environment. And I also wonder if this is just the play of life, isn't it? To forget in order to remember. Yes. 
It really sounds like that to me, in a way. So we're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else that we left unsaid or read a passage in your book, Sarah? I guess um, the, the, the main thing that I'd like to highlight is that healing is definitely possible. And, you know, we're not here to get rid of anything that's happening to us. I think we're here to understand it. And through that understanding, we're given an opportunity to awaken further, you know, and, and to reduce and eventually, you know, remove our state of resistance to what's showing up for us. Because I think that's the biggest cause of our suffering, resisting what's coming up. And and I know it's not easy. I've been through many things in my own life. So I understand that it's not easy. But I truly believe that being with what is, is how we reach a state of liberation or practicing to be with what is. And it's also how the brain and the body learns to become more resilient and to fear less, right? And to react less. And so, you know, increasing our exposure to just being in nature, you know, being with things that do represent that state of, um, I guess, acceptance, that state of beingness uh, is really beneficial for us. Sometimes it feels very easy to just not resist to anything and just be here now, present to what is present. And that's why one of my practices is even not to resist resistance <laughs> when it's <laughs> happening I just let it happen <laughs> and oh, just I just be love itself <laughs> I love that exactly that's a really good point that you highlighted there not to resist resistance right when it arises right if it is here already yeah it's it a bit like not resisting judgment so if judgment comes instead of once you realize that you're in a state of judgment Instead of going into more judgment mm. about the judgment, right. you just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, embrace and ex accept the judgment. So, yeah, I think growth requires bravery. And without bravery, we can't continue to grow through life's various chapters. Um, with It's been one of the, you know, I guess, main qualities that I have um, embraced about myself is that courage within me you know it's always been courage that has guided me to everything from seeking help to you know um, implementing some of the things that I've learned in my life to doing the work that I do you know courage has always helped me develop from within and keep growing so if it wasn't for courage I would not be where I am or who I am um, and I think, yeah, that that's a really good thing to tap into, you know, right. even when no one else is doing it, really tap into your own courage. That's another beautiful message for all of us, right? In order mm. to not resist resistance, we have to have courage. <laughs> yes, another trillion times to that truth. Thank you so much again, Sarah, for who you are. Thank you so much. Likewise. What is another word for healing? I would say awakening. I really would. Because for me, awakening is, 
it makes so much sense. You're awakening to the truth of existence. You're awakening to the truth of who you are. And it really is something that you wake up to. Makes me think about dreams when we dream at night and everything seems to be so real. And then we wake up and then, oh, that was just a dream. <laughs> that was not as real as I thought it, it was, the whole yeah. going to some, well, I'm not going to go into the spiritual perspectives now, <laughs> go deeper into <laughs> it. But um, my last question is, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? I think definitely make sure to have as much fun as possible because we really are here to enjoy life. And I think the second one is make time to be with yourself, to get to know yourself. That's really important. And then the third is to love as much as possible because, you know, nothing's lasting. Everything is temporary. And so love as much as you can because in the end, that's what's really going to define the person that you are, how much you've loved and how much you've lived. That makes me think about the idea of balance, which I connected to wisdom. Wisdom is mm. knowing how to balance all these pieces, aspects of life, of ourselves, and uh, have fun, love, know ourselves, of course, love others, ourselves and others. That's such a, it sounds like the most amazing type of dance of wisdom. We can mm. do that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. thank you so much, Sarah, again, for your presence here today, for all this beautiful wisdom that you, you let it flow through you and express them so clearly. Oh, thank you so much, Valeria. I appreciate you creating this space for us to do that. It's so wonderful that you're doing the work that you're doing. Thank you for the encouragement. I love what I do. <laughs> That's my sacred <laughs> space. So that's what I call it, the, these hours that I spend here. It's just a lot of fun in a spiritual way, in a meaningful way. It's amazing. It's amazing. And before we say goodbye today, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Mm -hmm. So um, you can find more information about me on mentalawakening.com.au. Um, you can also find information about me um, on my art therapy website, which is saradakili.com. And my book is called Coming to Life. And you can find that on any platform um, from Amazon to Abe Books to, uh, book, you know, Booktopia or Book Depository. So there's plenty of um, avenues of being able to get a hold of my book. Wonderful. And I'll have those links on your podcast profile as well. Thank, Thank you, you so much again, Sarah. And we'll talk soon. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Sarah Dakili and her work, please visit mentalawakening.com.au. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.